Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of our Living Lympho podcast listeners. Considering the Saints are on fire, we have what you call in the media world a really big guest on the show today. Michael Moudy, ladies and gentlemen, or Mozilla, as running back Mark Ingram likes to call him. Michael is a homegrown Louisiana football stud who's currently special teams captain and linebacker for our beloved New Orleans Saints. For those few Living Lympho listeners who aren't completely up to speed on Michael Moudy's football background, let me hit the high points. Michael is the son of legendary Saints Hall of Fame and Pro Bowl wide receiver Rich Moudy. Michael played high school football right across the causeway at Mandeville High. He then followed in his dad and older brother's footsteps to play football for Joe Paterno at Penn State, where he was the first team All-Big Ten, first team All-American, and won the Butkus Fitzgerald Award for Best Big Ten Linebacker. Following his phenomenal college career, Moudy was drafted and got his pro start in 2013 with the Minnesota Vikings. Played there for two seasons, primarily on their special teams, before being picked up by our New Orleans Saints in 2015. Happy to say that it did not take long for Michael Maddy to become a Saints fan favorite. As most of you will remember, I, get, I still get chills thinking about it. Back in 2016, it was a big Thursday night game against our arch rival, the Atlanta Falcons, where Maudie crushed through the offensive line, blocked the punt, and returned it for a touchdown. I think that night the Dome registered somewhere on the Richter scale, and the Saints took home a great victory. We really like players that do that kind of stuff, especially against the Atlanta Falcons. Gleason started it, and Michael Maudie continued the trend. Pretty awesome. Michael Maudie played for the Saints for a season and a half before the Saints placed him on their non-football injury list in November 2016. Unbeknownst to many, Michael had been battling ulcerative colitis his entire pro career, taking a heavy toll on the young football player. Michael, we could spend hours talking about all your accomplishments as it relates to football. Having played for some legendary coaches, I'm sure you have some amazing stories. But I think our listeners would really like to hear about your journey and experience dealing with such a serious health condition. Could you maybe start by telling us exactly what ulcerative colitis is and when you first started dealing with, with all the symptoms associated with it? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, thanks, thanks, Chad, for having me on and, and uh, listening to it. There's quite a resume that, but, uh, you know, of high points in my career, but it's, it's, it's certainly been a roller coaster. Um, um, and, and I always like to look at it as you, you, you try to get the high points and stay as high as you can for as long as you can because, you know, at some point that roller coaster is going down and, and just hopefully it don't go too far down. But uh, that's life, you know, the way it goes. Absolutely. Um, I would say, the, you know, the, the, when I first got the diagnosis of being, you know, I first had, I guess, first flare-up was in 2012. It was going into my senior year of college. And, I mean, I was – just constantly going to the restroom and and the doctor you know finally got checked out and and he told me it was like acute ulcerative colitis and I'm I'm thinking okay that's acute so it's just a one time deal and it's just you know so give me the drugs and let's move on Absolutely. and and so I didn't think much of it and and you know f- 5 years of a college diet and lifestyle uh, certainly did not help my cause and my um knowing what I know now about nutrition and the gut microbiome and everything else just from studying it for you know googling every late hours in the Absolutely. in the morning for for two years now it's 
I did some serious damage, not you know unknowingly at the time, but but um, and then throughout the next really the next four years, it just kind of progressively, you know, those those same drugs just ended up being less effective, and and then you kind of just climb the ladder of of more powerful drugs, and and you know anytime you deal with the immune, you know one of these autoimmune diseases, it just gets really complicated, and and you're kind of just at the mercy of the the pharmaceutical ladder really you know and and uh, just hope that you can that you can piece piece it all together and get yourself healthy and it's it, it took a long time <laughs> ulcerative colitis is basically a degenerative disease that really weighs on your digestive tract right i mean that's that's a sh- kind of a quick way to put it yeah the, the way i look at it is you take the root word of colitis the colon yeah and then itis is latin for yeah. inflammation so yeah. it's uh, it's inflammation that's okay. strictly in the colon and and uh, it's basically because your immune system is overactive and it's attacking healthy tissue. Got it. And causing ulcers and, and things yeah. like that and inflammation. So, you know, once once you get like a once it's flared up, which could be anything from stress to right. You know, it's a good thing the NFL is not a stressful job, right? So, <laughs> and being the you know 52nd man on a 53 man roster, it's like you know every year you're just trying to keep a job and. And you're not knowing whether you're gonna be in one city or the next, or um, so that took a few. NFL years. NFL football not not conducive to ulcerative colitis. Not conducive whatsoever. <laughs> so um, it was just. I, I know. I know. You know. You know. As a guy, I'm 42, but I can only imagine. You know, when I was 22, you just think you're invincible, right? For sure. And I, and I didn't even play college football, so I can only imagine when you're 22 years old, you had to feel pretty invincible. Um, when you found out, hey, I got ulcerative colitis, were you in a state of denial, or were you quick to accept it, or, you know, how did you how did you first kind of react to it? I certainly was not um, accepting of that condition. I, you know, I felt like I'd put my body back together so many times. I'm, you know, this is just uh, a one time deal, and and it was over. I, it, it's not. It wasn't until maybe two years after my initial diagnosis that I had heard from a doctor to say like, Hey, you have this, even though you're feeling good, you still have this, uh, susceptibility to getting to flare up. And no matter how long it's been, um, you know, it's, it, it can still come back. So, and that really took a long time for it to, to, to sink accept in. That. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, you know, I, I don't have this disease. This is like, I'm not, a, I'm a, like this disease was such a negative word and I just couldn't accept it. And so until things got bad enough to where I was like, you know, it started affecting my career. I was, um, you know, you just start uh, as doctor after doctor and right. just trying to figure out, get some real answers, you know? Right. You know, anytime you're faced with, with big adversity, um, tough adversity, huge adversity you have to figure out a way to you know where do you summon that inner strength from to kind of tackle it um you know some people don't ever get to that point they just you know they're they're completely just taken over by the adversity and they they lose the fight pretty quickly but i'm curious and i'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious like where does where did michael maudi summon his inner strength from you know some people end up becoming more spiritual and praying some people lean on family and friends you know, I know you and your history. I mean, do you do you think back of hey, I had three torn ACLs getting through. You know, this this illness should be a breeze. You know, where do where do you summon your inner strength from to to overcome something like that? Uh, that's well, it took 
I would say it's a skill, unlike, not unlike anything else, and it's a, a skill that is that you increase with uh, confirmed validity of what you know. You you get through one obstacle, it gives you the confidence and it gives you the tools okay. to get to the next Build one, and it, and it kind of snowballs into that. Yeah. And, and you know, once you accept the fact that I, I heard a great line from Scott Fujita who talked to our team before uh, Saturday night, and he he said obstacles are not in the way; they are the way. And the sooner you just accept that and realize that if it's not this, it'll be something else down the line. And, and you just, you better just, if you don't have the tools, you better figure out the tools. And it's more like a pass fail. You know, you don't want to look back in two years and say, what if I would have just pushed a little harder? I right. could have, you know, if I, you don't know. Do everything you can. You just keep digging and digging until you get to the end of that tunnel. And you don't know if you're two inches or two feet or, or half a mile away from the, the, the light at the end of it. You just keep digging and, and, um, you know, it, it always, it was always uh, gave me confidence every time I got over a hurdle. It's you know, I was, and then all of a sudden you get people around you saying, "Man, it doesn't matter. You, you you're gonna get through whatever it is," and that kind of gets the support system gives me the confidence when I don't have it on my own, and and um, that's where you got to build a, a solid group of people around you that that can help build you up and and that can help when you need it. Yeah. As it relates to ulcerative colitis, is it is it one of those conditions where, you know, whether you see a doctor in Louisiana or a doctor in Pennsylvania, there's all sort of a common regimen as to how you treat it, or does everyone kind of have their secret sauce as a doctor as to, you know, let's Michael, let's try this, Michael, let's try that, and and did you experience that? How many different doctors did you have to see before you finally decided, you know, this is how we're going to attack it? Um, I probably saw about four or five different doctors um, before I found a doctor. Luckily, uh, really by happenstance, that I was in New Orleans and you know went to, went over to Oshner and um, by the doctor by the name of Doctor Shaw, Shamita, okay. Shamita Shaw, and she runs the GI department at, at Oshner. Okay. But I had been through the you know the works of just GI guys, and they'd run you. You know, with colitis, it's always the same 30-minute, let's find out about your lifestyle. And I was, I was so tired of going through that with people that, get, that they're, not, they're all giving me the same answers and the same. They, none of them are talking about diet. None of them are talking about stress management, all the things that a functional medicine person would, would talk about, like the, whole, you know, the holistic nature of what, what's going on with your body it's for, from an inflammation standpoint. And like even if you get the meds to fix the flare up well eventually if you don't make lifestyle changes then it's going to come back and so that's what i really got fed up with and hmm. and the more i dug into researching about immune disorder or autoimmune diseases the more i realized that it's more and and in my opinion look i'm not a doctor sure. but um i think it's more of a balance between Western medicine where these GI people know what they're talking about, they're doctors, but at the same time, they don't address the whole issue from a functional standpoint of what's your gut microbiome looking like. And, you know, I think we're maybe on the early stages of figuring out, like mapping the, the gut microbiome and figuring out which bacteria are uh, the imbalance created there with diet and, and what's causing the flare up. So, you know, I saw a functional medicine doctor doing blood tests and figuring out what foods are inflammatory or what foods you have a reaction to that could cause inflammation and kind of just start figuring out different diets and just doing research. And So and a lot of it was you connecting the dots yourself. 
I mean, most it, of it wasn't was. one doctor quarterback, and it, it was no. pull a little from this doctor, a little from the internet, a little from, and just yeah. it's a mosaic you're trying to put together. Yeah, and that's really what is the most frustrating thing about it. And it's you know you scour the internet and forums, and and that's where you that's where it starts affecting you emotionally, and that's why they have these groups, these like almost therapeutic groups, because. It it just wrecks your confidence. It just re- once you just feel like this hopeless sensation because you're not getting better. You're taking these meds and it's just like the meds make you feel like crap. And then <laughs> next thing you know, Jeez. you're just like I can't do this. You know, I'm not. What are the, what are these meds doing to me long term? Yeah. And I, now I got three different medicines, one to, to counteract the symptoms of another and another and and uh, throw in a little professional football. I mean, anybody can yeah. handle that, right? <laughs> and, Jeez. And so, but but I had uh, I had a great doc, GI doctor, and and we really kind of took a a holistic approach with the meds that we had, and, and she was she really uh, I mean I wasn't supposed to get on the, I wouldn't have got on the field at all in last year without her, and we tried to you know we, back in April at sixteen I was I spent five days in the hospital. Um, wow. Lost about I was down to like 210 pounds, which is lost about 20 pounds. And then wow. I told her, I'm like, look, uh, this is a contract year for me. So just like, if we got to climb the ladder, like, like I know you got more powerful drugs in your yeah. arsenal. Give Tricks it to up. me. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I'll see you in December after this. You know, we'll, right. we'll address this in December. Right. Buy me some time. And. That's just the way I'm thinking, you know. I'm sure. like, just give me the drugs. Let's like, yeah. I'm. This is the uh, the second cycle, like three or four year cycle, where I build up, and just to have some sort of garbage tear, you know, whether it was physically, you know, in college it was my my knees, and in the pros it was my colon. You know, I was just so fed up with it, um, and that really was it was affecting me. And so, um, you know, ultimately I wasn't able to continue. You know, I lasted eight weeks, but I was. I dropped. I lost about 40, 40 pounds by the <laughs> by week eight, and I was last year. I, yeah. I had rode rode it to the bone, quite literally. Yeah, and uh, was started realizing I was putting myself at a serious health health, health risk. risk, and and I was like, you know what, this football is just a game. You know what am I doing? Yeah, and it, you know life. That kind of helped put things in perspective for me, for sure. Absolutely. You talked about um, having to make lifestyle changes once you found out you had ulcerative colitis. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, those lifestyle changes, what they were when you were first diagnosed, and maybe how that's you know, over time. Maybe those lifestyle changes have, you know, changed or. Um, the first one, and a lot of this I've really adjusted in the last year. Um, there are things that I would say the first one for me was stress management, and a lot of it, you know, I had such animosity towards my body you know and I didn't realize it but it was because it was like kept betraying me you know and I'm like I'm good enough to play if you just would just stay just stay healthy for me like just hold it together and it was just all these things that I didn't know about that I was doing to my body that was betraying me so I was just I was just torn you know emotionally and my energy was just all it was it was too much negative and so a lot so a lot of anger and and that that stuff really uh it was just a negative feedback loop so the mental conditioning part of that was the 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 meditation um doing things to kind of slow my so heart that really rate. helped meditation really helped absolutely okay. that, i think that's that's critical i mean that's interesting okay i i had started 
I think it's really an untapped tool for people that are, you know, I looked into like transcendental meditation and doing things like that. Um, and that really helped me feel better. Um, you know, you don't realize how tense, you know, how tense I'm sitting in meetings all day. I'm sitting in just constantly got to be on and especially in the environment that I was in. And, and until I really was like, Hey, you need to, you know, I was just so used to just sacrificing every my myself for a team or the just guys grinding, around me. Gr- you traded, you know, grinding through it for a little meditation. Yeah, and <laughs> I had just I realized that, you know, I got to start thinking thinking about my me and right. my health, and I was right. just, I was just sacrificing too much. And, I know what um, you mean? Yeah, and that was just something that really needed to be addressed, obviously, because it was. So do you meditate on a daily basis now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like how much a day would you say? Yeah. I mean, I try to do it every day. It doesn't work out Not that every, way, but right. at least 20 minutes. I'm okay. just kind of, and it, that, that sort of helps get my, get my thoughts under control. And, and I mean, I started doing the meditation kind of like self-hypnosis stuff after my knee injuries. And okay. That, and that kind Back of, in uh, yeah, like just the visualization part of it. And for sports performance, um, you know, my dad had taught me how to do it. He worked. He worked with a guy back in the seventies okay. that taught him, and and it's really it's really a powerful tool. That's I mean, interesting. I, you could get to the point where you, you know, you put yourself under, and and you're slowing your heart rate, and you could, you know, you're sending blood to different areas of your body, and and you wow. can just kind of accelerate the healing process, and and just neurologically how powerful it can be, you know, once you get back on the field, you know, you because you, you visualize it so much, and your body just knows you, those nerves have been firing, even though you haven't physically done it, but mentally. You know, it gives you that. And you were doing that in college with the torn ACLs? That, that helped heal you? Absolutely. And I then you continue to do it? For sure. Maybe more, amped it up? Abs- yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, really in the past year. I mean, I got away from it because physically I was okay. But, <laughs> right. Um, like, or I guess orthopedically I was okay. Right, my, right. My, my body structures were good except for my internal organs, I guess. But um, that, that's something that was a, a big part of so what I was doing. You, so you mentioned losing some weight, you know, over time. Um, when you were first diagnosed and maybe your first couple of years at the Vikings. And did you have to be on a special diet even while you were playing pro football? I mean, what, what sort of restricted diet were you on? And, and how did that kind of impact your, your football psyche? Well, that is one thing that I really didn't – I mean, I never really got a hold of was the diet. I, <laughs> because nutrition is one of those things. It's like the more you read and the more diets you look up, the less you know. <laughs> Right. Because there's so much right. out there and everybody's got the answers. And you're just like, you know, every, people are coming up to you. Oh, you got colitis. Well, why don't you just uh, take glutamine and eat, and eat a bunch of, pro, you know, eat, eat this and right. or, or just eat, just eat this and just eat fiber. And, you know, well, hey, I appreciate that. But if it, if it was that simple, I would probably have already figured it out by now. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, and I got two doctors in, you know, working on this with me. So everybody's you know, got PhDs. In yeah. Google, everybody's in an expert, you know, so. Yeah. There's part of that going on, but but until and, and my wife was a huge part of this. We you know last season, you know she's all day researching diets and she's working full time and doing that with That's me. That's awesome. And, I mean, I was still eating gluten and still doing things that that were causing inflammation. I just didn't know it. And until I eliminated all gluten and all this like this specific carb diet was one thing that really helped me last year. First of all, I grew up in New Orleans, so my diet has never been good. Yeah, you know, I'm with it's, you. And so, 
it's always been hard for me to, you know, once I feel good, I'm always like, oh, I'm, this this fried chicken looks good. Or like this. this I <laughs> the love second you start feeling good, you cheat a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and then I, just, I go right back down to yeah, where I was. And so it was just, a, you know, the discipline of it was the hardest part. And that's really the hardest part for everybody because it right. requires a major lifestyle change. And so until you're able to, to do that, then you're not going to see the results that, that, uh, that you really want. So. Yeah. That was that was a tough part, but the diet. I mean, I, I remember trying. I ate baked salmon for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for like a week, like two weeks. Right. And like I would bake it at night, and I would eat it breakfast, lunch, because I, I was just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what else to do. It was just like I'm gonna eat what makes me feel good, and just covered in like coconut oil, and just so I could get like healthy fats and protein. Just right. thinking that would help and. So now I don't eat. It's take, it took me like a year to eat baked salmon again, but that was that was one of the crazy <laughs> ideas I had. And and uh, but no, I've, the thing about that I've gotten this the surgery now. It's kind of been a blessing in disguise. I I just know that it's not worth it to just to eat those foods. And eventually you kind of you know you build those habits, and you don't even those foods don't really attract you anymore because of the way they make you feel. How up to speed, whether it be senior college or playing for the Vikings or the Saints, were your teammates in terms of what you were fighting, what you were battling against every day in practice, in a game? Because it had to be kind of surreal. I mean, you know, I mean, you're blocking punts for teams and playing amazing. So, I mean, I had to think. It's not like you were – not like they would say, wow, he's really underperforming. What's wrong with him? <laughs> I mean, you were performing really well. So, I mean, were they aware of, of your condition? Um, some guys were the guys that who I was close with, and and they kind of knew, you know, when 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 I'm getting up in every meeting, um, no matter how long the meeting is, I got to get up and um, even now constantly. No, not now. Uh, but back then, back then, okay, okay. You know, But um, but when I couldn't sit through a meeting, I couldn't sit go through a practice. I couldn't go Jeez. through anything. Um, when you you know everybody notices everything when you're in the NFL sure. locker room. Everybody's right. you got eyes on you everywhere. So. <laughs> Uh, just because it's that it's kind of environment, yeah. yeah. So, um, a couple of people kind of ask you like, "What's going on?" And you're like, "Man, I don't know, man. I'm just, I just got to go to the bathroom a lot, you know." So, you don't want to sit there and explain it to everybody, and at the same time, uh, you're not going to be that guy that's always, you know, bitching about the what the, your problems because ninety percent of the people don't care, and the other ten percent kind of happy you got them. So, right, um, right. That's kind of how I treated it, and and I was pretty quiet about it until last year where I was it was so bad it was so bad to where I was like this is I had you know that's when I went to coach Peyton I was even then I was hey let me just take a few weeks off and get myself together and uh, you know went and got a scope and and woke up from that and my doctor was hey you're done you're you're at done. that point you weighed how much when, when I weighed about 198 198 mm-hmm. last November last yeah October end of yeah. October uh, end of October yeah well, we yeah, whatever we can we put you on the bus. non-injured list. Yeah, yeah, we went to San Francisco and I couldn't ride the bus with you know I couldn't do any. I mean, I would wake up every th- like thirty minutes the night before games and and literally, I mean, I was getting no sleep. That's really what started the whole cycle because you can't recover, you can't. So I mean, I'd wake up, eat like two hard-boiled eggs and and go get you know, like four IV bags. Jesus. And, I, I wouldn't even go on the field for warm-ups. I would just get the IVs. Playing and, pro football. You know, just sitting there with my hands in my head and just waiting. And then the game would start, and I would just, you know, as long as I could go, just just grinding. It was it was insane. I mean, it was a month there where I was I shouldn't even been out there. But and 
still almost blocked, almost blocked one. I remember that was really the worst part. I was just kind of in. A, I was all adrenaline. You know, it was just all mental at that point. Still grinding. Just grinding it out. So take me through your thought process. I mean, you, you made lifestyle changes. You made diet changes. None of that was working. You were determined to play pro football. You were able to do that for a couple of years uh, until you lost so much weight. It was just tough to be competitive. Um, but then you decided to have a, a pretty radical surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was I was really su- surprised and impressed at the same time that um, you went ahead and had a surgery where you had your colon removed mm-hmm. and your rectum removed. Mm-hmm. Take me through your, your thought process. What were you yeah. thinking when you decided to make that move? Well, that was the – it's really the final solution for any uh, ulcerative colitis patients. And, you know, you, you client, it's the same story for everybody who has a surgery. You try the drugs, they don't work. You, you go up the ladder of, you go through the steroids, you go through the immunomodulating drugs, you go through the infusions. And then if that doesn't work, well, let's just take the whole thing out and call it a day, you know? And, and so some people will have good success with it. Um, I wanted to avoid that at all costs because obviously I, wasn't sure if I'd be able to play and it involved having an ostomy bag for six months and I was just ever anything I could do not to have that but I ended up fighting so hard against it that it was caused me to have it but which is ironic but um that was that was really the most challenging year um the most challenging year of my life that was the lowest point I've ever been and um that's which, really yeah in the past you know having that having that bag you know as a, which was early last year right that was yeah november till april of 16 april of 17 yeah and you mm-hmm. had to have how many surgeries to complete the, the process of removing those organs it was a th- it's a three-stage procedure i mean they give you a c-section across your, your belt line and then yeah you, know, you, you wake i w- remember waking up and i got this part of my intestine hanging out of my stomach and I looked down and I just passed out and I was like it's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life <laughs> and I got to look at this for six months you know you gotta be kidding me um, I was just in such like unbelievable a mental anguish about it and and that was you know obviously just sitting at home for the rest of the season and you know, my wife works from home remotely so and we that was our first year of marriage there was just so many things going on a lot of stress and yeah stress was just um, yeah, that that really got. It was. It wasn't until that was over that we realized how, uh, you know, the silver lining of that was, you know, a relationship between my wife and I, because she got me through. You know, she carried awesome. me uh, a lot of a lot of those days for sure. Did you think coming out of that surgery that there was even a chance she'd play NFL football again? I would say there was a. I remember thinking back in before before I had the surgery. Um, maybe the, the day or two before, um, if there was a way, I mean, my surgeons, my surgeon, uh, reassured me like there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. And that's, to me, that's all I needed to hear. You know, I'm like, <laughs> there's a crack in the door. Well, I was saying, yeah, if there's a crack, then I'll find a way, you know, but if just tell me, is it physically possible? Right. And if it is, and the, the, what's the risk, you know, right. that's, I want a risk reward factor here. Um, because it's never been done and I'm going to have to figure out a way how and to me that I just tell me the risks and I'll I'll tell you how far I can push it you know because I was that's always kind of been the way I've lived my life you know just give me the rules and and I'll figure out a way to bend them and um, so that was the it was really because I had to build a whole new team of advisors so you know with 
four years in the NFL, you got your orthopedic team, you got your PT, physical therapy, you got your uh, your chiropractor, your massage therapist. You, those guys are solid, but they don't know anything about you know what's going on now. So um, I needed a nutritionist that has experience with dealing with this, like having a J pouch and how do you gain weight without a colon? Um, how do you, you know, these are all, it was just, it was a giant problem and I had to figure out who had the answer. So, and that's, this took me like months of research and just searching. Um, you know, that was really when I, when I started to understand, uh, how big my network was of people that I had met just and, and built relationships with over the course of my college career and, okay. and in the last four years of, of my pro career, but and and that Rolodex was a lot of people, which was a blessing. So, um, and I didn't find the nutritionist, which was the biggest part for me. Who was that? Who was the nutritionist? The nutritionist's name was Beth Miller. She was at one of the nights, it's three and four in the morning. I'm looking online um, about a there was a baseball player from UCLA. He had the same procedures that I did okay and um or had been through it and he actually had to have five surgeries because they had to go in and remove a medical device that they left inside of him which is like oh my god can you can you say lawsuit <laughs> um but that was <coughs> I was reading the article and he had a was said they mentioned something about his nutritionist helped him put on 40 pounds when he was playing he got a six-year medical exemption and so I'm like oh, I need to find this person like who is it and I, I mean, I was thinking there was there's a Cleveland clinic up there. They got good people, and they yeah, have a short bowel awesome. clinic. And I was gonna just yeah. like cold call them, and at the you know I was just cold calling sure. doctors and scientists, and and um, so my buddy actually from Penn State coincidentally has colitis, and and uh, was a teammate of mine. He works at UCLA as a GA, and so I called him up. It was a week before my last surgery. It might have been the week after even, but um, back back in April of this past year and I'm, I'm like hey do you know a girl by the name of beth miller she's a nutritionist he's like yeah um he's like yeah i'm i'm, I'm dating her <laughs> i'm like no way man this is ridiculous so small world and uh, so he gives me her number i call her up we, we start talking and i'm like i give me i need to know everything like how do we how do we do this you're the only person in the country who's put, put an athlete back on the field right um that has had this condition and and so she, i talked to her for like an hour and she gives me the the kind of the the basic guidelines as to you got to know what each job of your digestive mechanisms do like what's the job of your small intestine what's the job of your large intestine so now we got to with food kind of replicate the colon and what it does and um and so she you know an hour on the phone with her and the next day she's got a two-page diet typed out that's Cause I, awesome because at that point i had to, i had 11 weeks to put on 20 pounds before so, training camp yeah 11 weeks 11 weeks wow so um and you were how much out of the surgery probably like two months maybe I was a month i mean i was like a week not even <laughs> so you had 11 weeks from one week of being satisfied you didn't really have 11 weeks no it was still like, recovering it was more like 10 you know, <laughs> so, i mean we it was like and at that point i was like maybe 212 okay you know, 212 pounds okay. so it was my goal was to get to 232. Right. That was my. I knew that if if I could just put on the weight, then I could play. You know, it's, <laughs> that's is that simple. I mean, I couldn't show up at 222. You know, because then they'd be like, "Hey, this kid's got a problem putting his weight back on." Like, right. we're not going to risk it. So, right. That was an important number for coaches to see to kind of have the faith to okay. 
And then would I be able to maintain it once I got right. back in? And so that was the strategy. You know, I had to have a game plan of getting back in the league because right. my reputation was that, you know, I was sick. And, and NFL coaches don't know what the hell you just had, like what kind of procedure. Nobody knows anything. They're not going to kick the tires on it. Right. No. So they're just going to you know, read the headlines. 20 other, 20 other guys in line. You Absolutely. Know? So we, uh, we, it was a, it was a, I pulled out all the stops for that so Beth last sent summer. You, she sent you a two-page diet, the game plan. You had 11 weeks to gain 20-plus pounds. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what was – without revealing too many of your secrets, what was how – did, how did you do that? I mean, what was in this diet for a guy that just got part of his digestive tract taken out that enabled you to do that and, tra- and try out for the Saints <laughs> again? Well, like I had six months to kind of build up steam from the run that I was going to have to make, which I knew was going to be um, – epic you know i knew that i was this is i'm this is the comeback of my life like yeah. my career and I, like i had made comebacks before like i've always yeah. had like these 12 week cycles of like get as strong and fast as you can put as much weight as on you as you can because as soon as i stop working out like i just lose weight i mean i just have the metabolism that's sure. kind of my body type so um and, and with the bag you like you know there's three surgeries so you kind of build up a little bit in between each surgery and then go back down and then you build up a little more and then go back down so you know i was so just i was fried to begin with of just kind of building from starting from zero knock back down i mean i started from ground zero i mean i'm doing sets with the bar just the barbell you know and then that's that's wow. where i started but wow um and we started from the letter a and went b c you know it was i just knew Hey, you got one shot at this, so let's just pull out all the stops. And that was every day for for 10, 11 weeks. We any, any particular supplements that you put you on that without um, without being a commercial for them, mm-hmm. but but just curious. Um, sure, it listeners. Was, for me, I did I had done a lot of research um, about nutrition and about putting on weight uh, from, and I, I learned um, my favorite guy is Tim Ferriss, the guy that yeah, did uh, Four Hour Body, Four yeah. Hour Work Week, and yeah. and. He's got some really interesting studies that, that uh, about like protein absorption, protein synthesis, and so it, for me it was like, um, it was oversaturation of nutrients, proteins, and just kind of like let's just because I don't know what's getting absorbed and what's not, what it's just passing right through my right. body because my tr- the transition time now in my digestive tract was, was a lot shorter. I mean, okay. We're talking about a span of like two, three, four hours tops. Um, as opposed to like a normal person, you know, say eight to twelve. Interesting. Um, so it was it was rapid absorption, and it was um, the other thing is like your main job of your colon is to absorb electrolytes and fluids out of your out of your waste. So, so it's easy to get dehydrated. So that's the risk. I mean, that uh-huh. was the only it's the only real setback. Okay. And so for me, I'm like, that's it. You know, is that the only setback? What else you got? You know. <laughs> so that's easy. You know, just take electrolytes and yeah. you're good. So. Roll. Um, that kind of took a little bit to get used to, but, but, um, you know, each week you just continue to like see results and get a little bit better, a little bit better. And then each, each day you kind of, you, you do what you can and then you look up in the three weeks and you're like, okay, we're making progress, you know? Okay. And then you kind of just erase into the end of the beginning of training camp and, and, um, and then try to give myself some options as to which team I would, I would go with. So the goal was to maybe go into the Saints training camp way in 232. And, then, and Beth Miller was trying to help you get there. Did did you were you two thirty two when you entered training camp this season? I was two thirty four actually. You yeah. you beat it. Okay. I beat it. I worked with a I worked with a sports psychologist um, up in Minnesota 
by the name of Dr. Yolanda Brooks. Okay. And she um, she was great. Um, Mike Zimmer had had brought her on on to help guys with just kind of mental aspects. Head coach of the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the support for sports performance and. And um, she, we had talked with her before because I'm always interested in kind of the mental aspect, yeah. and and um, and so I did a, tw- it was a 12 week program I did with her, and we documented and tracked, um, and literally st- did stats on how many hours of sleep I'm getting, how many times I'm going to the bathroom, um, how many calories I had and mapped trends each week so we could kind of tinker and make adjustments and you were an nfl player slash human lab rat i was yeah, yeah. i mean that's because that's what i knew it would take i mean that's, right because if you just are kind of going without tracking what's going yeah. on you just sort of like no point to comparison yeah so that was a critical aspect and i'm pretty laid back when it, i'm not a type a person that could just sit and map unless and, you're on the field right yeah i'm but so that was definitely, that was definitely, I mean, it was what I had to do. So we, you know, it was a good experience. It was great. Um, yeah. It was a great learning experience, but that was a critical part. And, and that also, you know, the other part of this was like the physical aspect was one thing, but the mental conditioning part. So when I got on the field, you know, I didn't want to have these like emotional triggers going on to like, cause every time I had to go to the bathroom last season, I would get, I would just get pissed off. You know, I would just get so. It's like here I am again, just sitting here, and I would Anxiety. just be so. Yeah, it yeah, was just big like, time. Just, just anger and frustration. Like there's not enough stress being on the football field. Now you got to deal with this. Yeah, and it's just like this negative cycle. So it's almost like a, it's almost like a post, like a, like a, just these emotional triggers. Yeah. So I wanted to eliminate those, and make sure that I would just stay in this positive kind of feedback loop, and and so that, along with like breathing exercises was and a lot of visualization um those kind of came together and that's how i was able to that was all from the sports psychologist Mm -hmm. yeah and you put those techniques to work in training camp this year yeah absolutely absolutely and it made a huge difference it really did i mean it didn't matter what my circumstances were it was like it's you know we're positive we're i'm staying considering where you were coming out of surgery where you were at training camp is a huge difference oh it was night and day i mean i knew i knew i had to make changes um, just based on the way that my body was reacting. And obviously what I was doing wasn't working. And so I had to, you know, you got to make adjustments and figure out what it is. So you fought the hard fight in training camp. You got up to your weight, you know, you played your butt off, but you didn't actually make the team, right? Right, right. So, I mean, it was maybe you just weren't at your, your ideal football condition at that point in time, I guess? Well, for, I mean, for me – it was um, – there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, I missed the whole off-season program, so That's that was part. one thing. Yeah, I felt like physically I was there. Uh, I didn't get many opportunities early on in the camp because they got there. You know, there's a room full of 10 other guys that they got to worry about. That so they had starts so, on you. Yeah, and so I had limited reps, and, you know, reps in training camp are critical. So it wasn't until, like, the third or fourth game where I really started to feel like myself again. and In preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And – and even yeah, even then, you know, you start counting the numbers and and um, you know, then you all of a sudden you get that phone call and you go up to see Sean and it's like, hey, you know, we. I want to talk know. to you about that. So you know, you get cut from the team. You know, obviously, you know, it's not exactly what you want, but 
my guess is knowing you and just hearing you, you determined to play NFL football. So, you know, you go to Pensacola to start to train mm-hmm. there. Well, it, so at that point, I, I, I kind of was – I mean, you don't, you never know if you're going to, you, no one's ever safe, you know, in my position. But, I'm all, you know, special right. teams backup Love. utility guy. Yeah. But um, I just knew that at that point I had the confidence that, look, I didn't do all this for nothing, number one. Number two, I mean, I was, I felt good. You know, I felt as good as I've felt. And so, like, I felt like I was back. You know, I was good. I could play. It's just a matter of now let's just find a, a spot for me. And I knew that. It doesn't matter if I just had to sit out for two weeks, whether it was two weeks or ten weeks, as long as I just trained and 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 just continued to work, that eventually it would work out and I'd get a spot. You know, I had enough. That was your thoughts coming out of training camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that kind of I took a couple of days just to think about it, and obviously, it was kind of tough to sit with. I mean, I'm as soon as you get something like like you got to take a day or like a couple of days, whatever, just to digest. Like, yeah. Okay. Let me think about how I want to go about this, what my mentality is going to be, how I'm going to kind of map this a transition I mean, phase. M- most people would have considered it a victory just being able to compete in an NFL training camp after having a major <clears throat> surgery on your digestive tract and having to train with a colonoscopy bag for a couple of weeks just to put muscle on. and Months, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's amazing. So, I mean, in and of itself is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I was. I just wasn't satisfied with that. I mean, I had gotten this far. It's like I want this. I need closure on this. Like I need to be on a team. You know, that's what can maximize this story, and that's what's going to be the end of the story. Is when I make when I'm back on the roster playing again, and so that's really what was. I was a little bit salty about that because I, I wanted the complete. I wanted the closure, but um, you know, I knew that uh, I went to Pensacola because I just knew I couldn't sit around the house all day and 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 think that I was going to train myself and stay and in stew. shape yeah so I just knew um yeah that if I was going to get the call well I was going to be ready and I was going to come out you know like a bat out of hell screaming and be, they're going to look at me like what the hell's this guy been doing you yeah. know so it really was a, a good thing that I had I really had an extra month to kind of fine-tune the things I didn't get a chance to didn't have time to do um in the summertime and then uh, you know, eventually got got the opportunity back with the Saints. So yeah, you, you got the opportunity because uh, a former Penn State uh, mm-hmm. player of yours, Nate Stuper, uh, tore his ACL coincidentally in a, in a game, and then you got the call from Sean Payton to come try back out for the Saints, right? Yeah, because you got there's a lot of crossover between you and Nate Stuper. It's funny because in college, when I was a junior, I was starting, and he was he was uh, he was a fifth year senior. He was behind me. And when I tore my ACL, he actually got to play the whole rest of the season and then got his opportunity in the NFL. So, um, and has had a great career, made a great career out of it. So it was just kind of a bittersweet moment we had uh, that it, the roles kind of reversed there, you know, yeah. six years later. So Sean Payton calls you up, has you come try out, you go back to try out. And the, the word on the street was that, I mean, it was like a phenomenal workout. Uh, tryout workout with mm-hmm. the team you got in front of him and you got in front of the GM and they were uber impressed right I mean I'm that's not, not the I mean that's the uh that's kind of the the image that I got from all the coaches right. and I mean it, it kind of made it a little bit of a splash they uh I was prepared put it that way and I, it was the best workout I've had and that's that, awesome it, it was the best I had felt really because um, I really could I really needed that time to get my body right and and I was moving really well and I was in great shape and and that's kind of what that was all part of the plan as far as I was concerned. You know, they you know, they they were they had said that's the best they'd ever seen me move around and 
And I'm like, well, I'm I'm 100. percent I mean, there's I don't have. And you really anymore. you really feel like you are. You really feel like you're 100. percent I, I mean, I've never felt better in my career. That's it's, awesome. It's been amazing. It really has been. So the surgery's just been a home run. Knock on wood. Yeah, I mean, there's still things I get frustrated with about it. And right. There's still questions that I have, as far as the long term, um, questions physically, um, or internally that I will probably not get those answers for years. But um, <clears throat> I think. I'm more than, more than happy with. Obviously, I'm never satisfied and content with just making a comeback. You know, now I want to block another punt. You know, now I want to get, I want to make this story as as good yeah, as it can. You know, it's all yeah. about now that I'm back. Let's make some plays. Right. You know? and so it's just maximizing potential. That's what that's what I see. You said you said you're 100. percent I'm just curious when you actually kind of woke up and said, "Man, I'm I'm 100. percent I'm ready to roll." Was it was it? Um, AJ Klein goes down in the Buffalo game. You get the start against the Redskins, and you just have a ton of tackles. And I mean, is that when you're kind of like, "I'm back"? I mean, is it from a from a mental perspective? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. from a physical perspective, it was before that. But from a mental perspective, where you like, I got to the top of the mountain. I mean, or at that point. Well, I, f- I felt like really um, that was. I, those were the the adjustments that I made as as a part of my mental conditioning. That that the, in 2016, you know, I wasn't I wasn't playing as much as I felt like I should be on defense, and I was when I, mean, I was feeling great, and it was a contract year, and I wasn't getting on the field, and I was worried about all this stuff I had no control over. So the changes that I made in my mentality going into the season was, look, I'm I'm blessed to have this opportunity, and I've fought my way back. And I'm not gonna let myself get in my own way. So That's it was good. just whatever opportunities I get, I'm gonna be prepared and make the most of them. I mean, it's a long season. I knew at some point I'd get an opportunity to play, and I knew that I'd be ready for it. So I just prepared accordingly and and just stayed positive. And and you know, I'm not the type of guy that's like oh, makes it a weird working environment as a backup guy. I mean, some that's an interesting dynamic where you have on well more with defensive guys probably, but. You know, I told AJ, it's like, look, I'm here to help you too. Right. I mean, I'm your backup, but like, let's, you know, if I see something, we're going to help. You know, we're, we're, this is a linebacker by community in our room, you know, so, um, and, and I was prepared. I mean, I always felt like I could, I could start and play in, the, in this league, and, and I just have, it's all about opportunity and, and availability. So I'm, I was ready for it. You could tell that you just had an amazing attitude, um, you know, just coming back on the team and playing. I think you had probably the best. NFL Twitter post this year when you put no colon still rolling uh, after the Redskins game. I think that was awesome. I mean, you got to make light of it, right? Because if Absolutely. you don't, if you don't make light of it, then nobody else will. That's true. I mean, if you just sit around and just if you don't find the humor in life and and, and try to enjoy it, um, that's on some level. Then then it's you know what what are you doing? It's you just kind of uh, you kind of want to make. You got to make light of it. Put things into perspective. You know, if you if you think everything's the end of the world, then you you're not going to last long. Absolutely. I know we talked about support groups, and I know you know you have a great family, and they were there for you in a great support group. But um, they also come with some great athletic uh, pedigree. So you you know your dad was a star wideout and punt returner from the Saints. Your brother was a solid receiver for Penn State. Both guys played offense. So I'm just kind of curious, why did you decide to play defense, and what what kind of moved well, you towards that? That was it was more. I mean, I played. I started my seventh grade year in junior high, and that's because my my dad wouldn't let us play until then. Really, with, with pads. Okay. So 
I, th- I thought I was going to play baseball. I was a catcher, and, you know, I, was, I loved doing that. I just got kind of burnt out traveling around the south every weekend for, you know, baseball down here is all year round. Right. So, but once I, I mean, I had this growth spurt coming out of, out of eighth grade, and I grew like six inches, and because <laughs> and, and, I wasn't very good. I was the smallest kid in junior high, and then uh, ninth grade, I get out, I'm playing, like, safety and quarterback, and and I just realized that I enjoyed hitting people. You know, and something snapped into me where I was hitting, like being the hammer, not the nail, is way more fun. You know, so. Um, but you're not type A. No, no. no. Okay. So it, that just was way more fun. Um, we, we, uh, you know, so it was a I went from safety down to like defensive end, and then was playing that for you know, my sophomore year, and then uh, got to play some linebacker my junior year, and then realized that I was, hey, I might be good enough to to. I mean, I know that I was going to be a, col- a linebacker in college, so that's kind of what I, what I stuck with, and then yeah. and then realized, hey, this could pay for my college education. So that's where we went with it. Is, is it true? Growing up, your nickname was Tank, and where does that come Tank? from? Tank, I don't know. That's a new one to me. I, <laughs> maybe maybe when I was li- really little, I don't know. That, I haven't haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah, high impact guy. Um, so I don't think there's there's. I mean, I, I've been a Saints fan as long as I could breathe and walk. And I'm trying to remember back. I Googled it and I didn't see anything. Has there ever been a time where the Saints have had like a legacy player, like somebody where, you know, your father-son tandem played for the team? I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, if we trade for Eli maybe. But mm-hmm. but outside of that, I mean, has that ever happened before? It's got to be really special. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's happened on the same – with the Saints franchise at least. But uh, it really is a special, a special thing just kind of to be a – not only to be a legacy in the college program, because um, we had a lot of those guys that that family members played, fathers played that were legacies with yeah. the, with Paterno. Uh, there was over over twenty guys like that, but um, legacy at Penn State, legacy, legacy at the Saints. That's yeah, awesome. it really is a, a special, a special kind of unique situation that that I'm in, and and just try to make the most of it and, and continue the name. You know, just leave yeah. try to leave a legacy somewhere. That's awesome. You know, we we can't let you go without talking more about the Saints. I mean, we got, you know, we, we need a little bit more scoop here. So it's been a wild ride this year. The Saints lost their first two games. Then they go in an eight-game winning streak to win the NFC South Division. Then just last weekend, you guys beat Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers for the third time this season. Michael, in all seriousness, when you compare this team to all other teams you've played on, Penn State, the Vikings – um, I mean, you played under some great coaches like Paterno. What makes this Saints team so special in your mind? In my mind, I think the, the, the most special thing about it is the locker room and it's the, the, the unselfish nature of it. Um, there's really – it's the first locker room I've been in where there's no cancer. Um, and I say that in a way that's you know, figurative, figuratively, obviously, but um, <laughs> there – any locker room in the NFL, you got guys that are just – they're me guys. They're worried about, you know, um, just because it's a business and that's just the nature of it. You're going to have 10%, you know, or maybe in some teams it's 20, but of guys that are just, they don't really care. They're not team guys. They're, we have such a good balance in this locker room. I think Coach Payton and, and Mickey have done a great job of kind of going back to that that team model where you have kind of a balance and chemistry between guys. And we've had such a great rookie class um, that has come in and made plays. Agree. And, I mean, when you got the defense, offensive rookies of the year, yeah, these guys have just been amazing. And, and 
I think that's really you get a mixture of that and then some a lot of veteran guys that have that have been around and, and that know how to work and and, and what it takes. Uh, it's a really special, uh, really special balance, and it's a really positive, uh, good working environment. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it definitely seems like the team leadership's there, and that's such a critical component. Absolutely. Yeah, such good guys on the team. Um, I want to talk uh, before we let you go. I want to talk real quick about uh, how you give back to the community. Um, I know that you started a uh, football program called the Bayou Backers Program, mm -hmm. uh, which is at, I think it's a friend of yours, uh, sports training facility called D1 North Shore. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and maybe how it's a unique football camp compared to some of the other football? I'm sure you've been to thousands of football camps growing mm -hmm. up, right? Yeah. So what was your mindset in starting that this football camp, and how is it differentiated from football camps you participated in growing up? Yeah, uh, I've always wanted to kind of have a camp and, and to, to help develop um, linebackers and, and guys. It's really just the fundamentals of football and 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 to help the youth athletes in the area. Um, and I was able to do it for one year, and, and then I was last year. Obviously, was I was dealing with a lot of personal. Yeah, had a little bit. We just went through a little it. bit going Absolutely. on. But, um, you get a hall pass for last yeah. year. So so I plan on getting back to that, but it was. It was more like a program I wrote out for, for guys that just is kind of, especially with all this, this concussion stuff going on, um, there's just so many, there's such a lack of the fundamentals, um, teaching guys about correct body position, and, and you learn that at a young age, and that kind of stays with you, but, but uh, really like a hands-on approach and like small group training, technique training and fundamentals with, at the linebacker position, and, and it's a lot of the stuff that I learned at Penn State. And some of the, a lot of the tools that I use from the the great coach we had, uh, Ron Vanderlinden, who's put out um, I don't know fifteen or twenty NFL linebackers at Penn in, State in a ten year yeah. span. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's at least at least at least fourteen. But um, so I think it's just a plus. I was a I was one of those guys that you know I, there was a few Saints guys lingering around Mandeville whenever <laughs> I was young, and so I I know I've been in those kids' positions and. And and was able to have a little bit of that, a taste of that. So, so now that I'm playing it, I'm living the dream that I've always uh, aspired to get to. It's I think that's important, giving back in the, to the to the to the youth programs and and uh, and just to help support that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, Michael, our Living Lympho listeners know that our podcast is about overcoming adversity. Adversity comes in many forms. Could be something physical, like dealing with cancer or digestive tract disease like your ulcerative colitis. Could be something mental like losing a parent or even worse, a child. In our podcast, you know, every show, we try to focus less on the specific adversity and more on how and where individuals like yourself summon that inner strength to overcome it. Michael, you are a walking, talking human inspiration and a football machine. Thank you for coming on our show today, and thank you for playing your heart out every week for our New Orleans Saints. Please, please, please bring us a playoff victory this week in many. Please, because the city is such a better place when the Saints are winning. <laughs> That's true. Um, so thank you so much for being on our show today. I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. Thank this you. Is, this is very special. Uh, I, I appreciate what you're doing for helping people fight through their own battles, and, and this is a great way for 
you know, I love sharing my story just to, only to help people. You know, this is unselfish. Um, you know, you got to put your pride aside and, and realize that if what you've been through can help other people and, then, and it makes it worth it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you liked our podcast show today, please go to Apple iTunes and give us a review. It really helps. Thanks and who dat, baby. Who dat. <laughs>